Welcome to Inbound After Hours. Delighted to have Azim here. Hello. Actually in person. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is lovely. I know we've had a, a kind of virtual relationship on Twitter chatting a bit. I was on your podcast, of course, some time ago. We've exchanged some emails. So actually delighted I could get you in person. We could have a chat Definitely. about this. So we're going to chat about a topic today that we wanted Azim to come and talk about at our event. Um we believe if you bring something that audiences are genuinely interested in, along with someone who's really passionate about something, that's the best sort of speakers we always get. And I think this is exactly right and up your street for uh, meeting those things. So, yeah, if you want to kick us off in, in terms of introducing the topic, but also why is this, why are you passionate about this? Why do you like to speak about it and go on the road with it? Yeah, so um, firstly, thanks a lot for having me and... Uh... Apologies to all the attendees of the event. I'm so gutted that uh, I couldn't be there in person. Um, I was absolutely adamant, you can ask Ricky and the team, <laughs> that I had to come up here and uh, and meet the team in person. And uh, hopefully we can do this next year all being yeah. well. Um, but yeah, I'm the, we're going to talk about diversity and inclusion in marketing today. Um, and it's something that I'm super passionate about as uh, as you've gathered i think it's one of the sort of building blocks of my um podcast but in in the same way i think it's a topic that's often overlooked um so yeah i'm, I'm hoping that we have a really good chat and i'm hoping that uh, the listeners and viewers get something really useful from it and um again Apologies that we couldn't do this oh, in person, course. but uh, life got me a bit of a bad hand at the <laughs> no, time. for sure. Um, There's but... other priorities in life, mate, and uh, those come before marketing events. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, for you, obviously, this, this this is an important topic. We we all know that, but why have you taken it upon yourself to pick up the torch and run with it and talk with it and have a podcast about it and come to places like events and speak about it as a topic yeah that's a great question I mean for me like I said it's something that's often overlooked and in the beginning I'll be completely transparent and say I never really thought about it and I think for me it sort of stemmed from when I first went to a marketing event um, early on in my career I'd been to a few took lots away from those events in terms of learnings and stuff um, and then at the time outside of work, I started to become more um, like culturally aware of the environment. I was very aware that in some places, <clears throat> excuse me, I was the only person of colour in the room. So taking that awareness, I went to another, my, well, my next marketing event as an attendee. And I just sat there and I thought, hold on, just, there's nobody like me on mm. the stage or there's nobody who who isn't white, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. Um on the stage and I thought well at the time I sort of internalized it and I thought okay this might just be me potentially over over thinking things or maybe you know reading too much into stuff so I thought well I'll I'll go away um, I'll look at other marketing conferences ones that I've maybe attended in the past or ones where um, I'm due to attend or thinking of attending and I look at their lineups and um, using my what I know from skills in marketing for example a lot of these um conferences they have sort of speaker pages that will say speakers forward slash 2021 mm -hmm. so i'll just type in 2020 and look back and then i did a bit of analysis which is uh 
on my website on, on my blog and I'm happy yeah, to share the that, link yeah, for that but I just th- some of the results from what I saw was were like astounding in some cases there were just no people of color at all yeah. um for four or five years um or maybe one person of color and, and in that specific case it was the same person or the same black man for four or five years and in the fifth year there was no diversity so essentially i i assume or deduce from that that he must have been busy that year so <laughs> yeah it was frustrating for me to see and then <clears throat> following on from that i spent i've spent a couple of years where i've sort of spoke to people in the industry i've put out anonymous surveys because sometimes people don't like to put their name <clears throat> behind things and equally people don't want to be as forthcoming about this sort of stuff yeah. Uh, because they feel that it might um, impact on their jobs. But I looked at diversity and inclusion in the marketing sector as a whole, um, and the results were pretty tough to read, to be honest. And I thought, well, this was pre-pandemic, yeah. and now well, we're still in the pandemic, but my worry is that I don't want to be in a situation where sometimes, I'll be honest, I sit here or I'll sit in down and I think, right, well... A lot has been spoken about diversity and inclusion, but there hasn't been a lot of action yeah. since, and companies just don't seem to be taking action. So yeah, it's it's a frustration for me, but um, I'm hopeful that things will change soon. I have to be mindful. I always have to remind myself that you can't impact a huge amount of change overnight. Yeah. I think with a topic like this or with a subject like this, you need to be looking at small marginal gains um but sometimes i do i'll be honest i'm a human being i look at things and i look at events even now and i think things have got to change because uh, the world times have changed but i don't think the marketing sorry the marketing industry in particular is keeping up with the times or moving with the times so yeah frustrating but it's something that I'm deeply passionate about. No, good. You can you can definitely see that. And towards the end of this, let's. I'm in I'm in the place where my I wear a different hat here because I'm the person <clears throat> who hires people in marketing and I organise events. So mm. I've kind of got the perspective of of kind of what you're aiming at. So it'd be good to, to tie this up when we get to it around what people can, yeah, what, what can be done. <clears throat> but just just to start with, when when you. I agree. I've been to marketing events for nearly a decade and certainly see what you've seen. How did we get to the place where that that is true? I know it's probably more of a societal question, but from my experience, the reason I'm asking is I don't, I hope, but I don't believe that anyone's gone into it with the intent of making that a reality, if that makes sense, where they've yeah. deliberately thought, I'm going to do it this way. But the truth of it, that's how it's ended up, which is, how, how does that happen? And what's your opinion on why it got to the place where it got to? Uh, being completely honest, a comfort, I think. Yeah. Um, so to frame what I'm about to say, I'm not an event organiser, never organised an event. Yeah. I can try and understand what it would take to have organised an event. But until I've actually done one, yeah. I would never know. So understand the basics. You've got, you know, hot event, hire, yeah. food, etc. blah, blah. When it comes to speakers and sourcing speakers for events, I think in general, some event, some, not all, event organisers uh, have sort of fallen on that sort of comfortability. Like, oh, 
here's Joe blogs, here's Jane blogs. I know what I'm going to get from yeah, this person. <clears throat> we know what they're going to talk about. Yeah. Sometimes any new speaker of any colour is seen as a risk. Yeah. And ultimately, whether it's a, a paid-for event or whether it's a free event, you need bums on seats. Yeah. I can completely understand that. But I'm a big believer of the phrase, for example, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. Yeah. And let's say, for example you ran an event where you had the same five people every year. Eventually, they're going to get older, they're going to move on, their knowledge is not going to be anywhere as good as maybe somebody who is yeah. junior or younger in the industry. So to answer your question, I think it's more, I think it's more around comfort. And the whole point about this topic is, I think sometimes people in general, not just event organisers, but people need to, get comfortable with being uncomfortable because yeah. it's not it's not the easiest topic to approach and in some cases I say this as a person of colour myself there are some times where I get sensitive or I get things wrong like I often used to use the word BAME a lot or the phrase BAME yeah. a lot and that was a point of contention across society in general not yeah. just just marketing so you'll hear throughout this podcast I refer to people of colour as people of colour so it's hard I can appreciate that but like I said I think the reason why things are the way they are and things have been the way they have been is that people are just comfortable yeah. with doing things as they've always done and not stepping out of that comfort zone. It might be seen as a risk or whatever, but I I, I believe it's comfort for sure. Safety and complacency and yeah. and those sorts of perspectives. I certainly see that. And I guess that this follows into the next point is around having people in the industry so then the organizers have more choice i'm not saying choice is uh, particularly limited or a reason that it hasn't happened but if you look through the perspective of we've organized events and as a person running a first time event i guess where we started and how we ended up with our first lineup and it'd be interesting for us to go back and see what that lineup mm. was um, is we thought, okay, we, we're in a particular technology space in, in, in the context of marketing. So we're going to reach out to all of our partners in the in the industry and we're going to get them to give us a speaker. Mm. Um, so we're reaching out to people like, I don't know, Google and Microsoft and HubSpot and Vidyard and all of these companies. And we, we, we say, like, we support you. We use your technologies with our clients. Like, can you support our event and send us a speaker? Mm. And... We ended up with whatever we ended up with, and that's where you kind of start on your journey. But I guess if if you looked at the industry and thought how how many people, and what's the makeup of diversity actually in mm. the industry itself, and that is in a bad place, then this also creates that effect as well. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And I can completely appreciate <clears throat> appreciate that because, like I said, I've never organised an event, so I don't know the whole intricacies behind it, but. I think there needs to be a sort of mindset shift for want of a, of a better word. So say, for example, if there's been a speaker who has been at the same event, for example, for four or five years, yeah, that speaker, he or she, typically he, would need to have a look at themselves and think, right, I've done this event multiple yeah. times now. Whatever their motivations are or reason are for doing it, that's yeah. that's to the side, but the facts are that that person has spoken at a specific event four or five times. It's on them to yeah. to look at 
moving out of the way and making room for others. And I don't think that's like an active or conscious thought yeah. of people. There's been, uh, well, arguments online, for example. Um, and you'll notice throughout this episode, or whenever I've talked about diversity and inclusion, I'll never name a conference or I'll never name yeah. an individual because I don't think that the issue is specific to one conference or one specific yeah. individual. And it looks, if I do that, I believe I'm singling somebody out, I'm of singling course. an event out. But there's been arguments online where people in our industry who are very well established speakers, you just need to read their name and think, okay, they're going to give a great talk. Yeah. They will say, I need to speak at this event, whether it's paid or unpaid, they will yeah. say, I need to speak at this event because it generates leads for the business and I have to do it. Yeah. In which case, fine, but you need to look at diversifying where your leads come from for your business. That's, yeah, a, sure. that's a marketing problem. Yeah. If your business, not entirely, but largely relies on leads out of conferences, you probably haven't got a great Something business. Something else has gone wrong there. I'll <laughs> die on that hill. <laughs> yeah. um, but equally, the same individuals will say, oh, you shouldn't have a new person. Let's say, for example, I was brand new to the industry. Yeah. We shouldn't have somebody like Azim come and talk at this event because nobody knows who he is. Irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. A name is a name. Sure. But equally, it's a risk and we have to sell tickets or we have to move tickets and people will buy a ticket or order a ticket to come and see that person. And I think, again, that's quite flaky for yeah. me. It, there's no weight behind that. And people like individuals like that will need to look at themselves and think right like i said at the start if you do what you've always done you'll yeah. get what you've always got Definitely. and those people need to sort of move out the way move out the way is probably quite a forward and direct way of putting it but those people need to consider maybe sidestepping one event on occasion or you know not speaking at the let's be frank the bloody open of a car door <laughs> yeah. to be honest yeah, yeah. <laughs> and look at inviting new people into the industry because diversity of thought is equally important um and i'm a big believer and so i've been in the industry several years um currently where i'm at now there's a graduate who's just joined me in the team and i always challenge her to think think differently so i will say like we need to achieve something we need to achieve x how would you do it and then i ask her to explain things to me and i ask her for the why behind it because yeah. she might think of something differently years years in the industry i don't think is a reflection of quality of thought no. somebody who is brand new to the industry might have very high quality different ways of thinking that the rest of the industry would just jump on yeah. and um before i shut up because i'm sick and sound of my no, own voice. <laughs> people are here to listen to you not to um, me <laughs> there was a specific event uh during the height of covid which is like an online event and this was around the time where cultural sensitivity around people of colour was extremely heightened because it yeah. was when the whole George Floyd thing was picking up global attention. Yeah. And in that particular event, I was the only person of colour in the lineup, and I thought there's a lot of attention, um, rightly and wrongly, on the black community, for example, because of everything that's going on. Mm. I look at that and I think, so that's an external factor, that's not a marketing factor. I look at that and I think, right, I I wouldn't feel right being at this event, even though it's online and I can literally just do it from home. Yeah. I wouldn't feel right taking part in this event if I hadn't have done something to try and help uh, a black individual in our yeah. marketing community um, take their chance 
at speaking. And I've spoken at events before. Mm. I've been fortunate enough to be invited to do this podcast. So thank mm. you very much. Uh, that was an event I'd never been at. But I literally, there was something within me where I thought, I can't, in good faith, go ahead with this event, mm. knowing that there's a, somebody there who's waiting for a shot. Mm. So I reached out to an individual. There's loads of resources out there. But I reached out to an individual. Um, she was black, female. And already I was slightly uncomfortable because I didn't do it publicly. Yeah. I just jumped into a direct message and I, I can't remember what I said, but it was words to the effect of, look, I hope you don't mind me reaching out. I'm not trying to sell you anything, yeah. but this is genuinely how I feel. And I noticed that you're a speaker, you're interested in getting your first gig. Would you be interested? And I even apologised in the message saying, look, if this has offended you in any way or if I've gone about this the wrong way, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, fast forward, she said yes, she took it. She nailed it. Amazing. But what I said earlier on in the podcast about being uncomfortable, yeah. I didn't sit there typing a direct message to this individual thinking, oh, great, she's going to love this, blah, blah. I was sat there. I was probably sweating profusely <laughs> thinking, right, am I doing this the right yeah. way? Am I approaching her the right way? I genuinely didn't feel comfortable just approaching a woman in our industry out of yeah. the blue saying, would you like this opportunity? That whole point about being uncomfortable, that yeah. feeling is, I think more people need to embrace it. The worst you could get is uh, thanks, but no thanks, yeah, yeah. or nothing at all. But if that was the case, then I would have done something yeah. to try and help somebody else in the industry. And that whole point, very long-winded way of getting no. there, that whole point about being uncomfortable, I think more people need to embrace 100%. Yeah, I love that. I, I think that all resonate with a lot of people who are in who are in positions to to help with things like this around events and hiring because again to be honest it is it is it is uncomfortable and i think there's a paralysis in not wanting to get something wrong like i could i could try and do the right thing theoretically but i could get it wrong mm. in the way that i execute like you said the way you word the email or or whatever and i, th I think that actually paralyzes change for people fearful of doing it wrong even with the right mm. intent so i think there's a really powerful message there in like it, it probably should be uncomfortable but that's okay and i think the more people hear that they'll maybe have a go and know that okay, the intent was was correct, and yeah, I can be uncomfortable. Um, I think that's a really powerful message. Yeah, well, thank you very much. And, and how about that? How does how does this topic then translate into the people we have in the industry and um, having more diversity in the industry itself, which would which would obviously kind of collate its own power and make things happen if there was just more people in the industry why why isn't there if that's too of a simplistic question <laughs> um okay so i have thoughts on this <laughs> <laughs> good <laughs> um when i did my survey about diversity and inclusion with industry there are a few things that that stood out so one of the big things that stood out for me was that six in ten people currently in the in the, currently in the industry felt that their identity or their ethnic background had an impact on their career or their career opportunities? I didn't fill in the survey myself, but 
full cards on the table, I would be one of those six. I genuinely believe that people of colour have to work twice as hard for maybe half the opportunity. Yeah. But you've probably heard me say this before because I, I labour this phrase to death. I think the devil works hard, but Azim works harder. I've just <laughs> literally, I've got it in my head that I'm just going to work hard. Not everybody thinks like that. No. And not everybody is like that. Why isn't there more diversity in the industry? I think it's because people and people who filled in my surveys anonymously have said it's too hard. It's hard to get a leg up in the industry. It's hard to move out of junior roles. For example, in the agency world, people have said via my survey and the anonymous feedback, in agencies, you will only ever get to a certain level as a person of colour. Like if I I'll put myself on the spot now, and if you do name 100%, hats off to you. But if I said to you now, in the agency world, of the agencies who are like out there and very vocal, yeah. can you think of a black or an Asian account director or a CMO or like even like a senior client lead? Probably not. It's I haven't been in the agency world for a number of yeah, years. Yeah. So if you can, or if you're watching this and you can, <laughs> it's not jumping to put a message in the comments and say, yeah. actually, it's in, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Please challenge me and prove me wrong. Um, so to in that sense, I can 100% believe that. When I was in the agency world, my own experiences match that of what people were saying. I would only ever get to a certain level. And like I said, I know I have to work hard. So drawing from my own experience, I started off in an agency as a very junior role. I was hungry. I was keen to progress. But I thought, I can't, I shouldn't run before I can walk. So let me just do the basics, mm -hmm. right? And every time I had um, a one-to-one -one or a review with my manager, who was also uh, a non-white person, he would say to me, right, if you want to, progress i need you to do this 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 and this i would do it i'd get to the half year of it get to the end of year of year and i'd be mm. like a sort of dog like i've done, I've done it like yeah, what yeah. can i do and then it's like oh there's a hiring freeze at the moment so then obviously i'd feel deflated and think right well i can't do it that, those are the breaks but then like a week or so later oh joe blogs has got a promotion white guy and i'm thinking well I thought there was a hiring freeze. Yeah. But this guy, who's probably one of the loudest guys in the office, quite extrovert, has got promotion. I've seen him come in late. I've seen him miss client meetings. I've seen and I've heard of this person's client not say the best things yeah. about him. So, like, what, what's yeah. going on there? But that's, that's a personal experience from myself. But to answer your question, why is there not enough diversity in the industry? I think... People think it's difficult to progress beyond a certain level. I bet if you were to ask a handful of people studying now, I'm fortunate that my previous job was in higher education and I spoke to a lot of people, yeah. um, black and Asian people, generally just day-to-day -day chats. And it's probably like playing football with them or whatever. Like, what yeah. do you think about the industry in general? There's a view of it where it's hard to... It's hard to move up or you'll only ever it's only ever been seen as like a stepping stone to something else. Yeah. So if you're in house, again, it's hard to think of I can probably think of or name on one hand the number of black or Asian CMOs or, yeah. or CEOs. And like I said, change is happening, so I can think of a couple now, but a few years ago I couldn't. The short answer is I don't think it's seen as attractive. And if you ask me personally, if I could go back and start my career again but knowing what I know now would I choose marketing I'd probably have a long and hard think about it and think is this the 
the career that I want to get into. I'd probably still choose it and I might do things differently, but there are people who are junior who would probably think, well, maybe not. And we haven't even covered or touched all the social and economic factors that have happened in the past sure, yeah. four or five years. So it's, it's really, hard. No, for sure. It's a, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a really interesting perspective that obviously I think we're all aware of diversity challenges socially and um, in the workplace. But it's an interesting um, viewpoint that people can... It's particular to marketing mm. as one of the industries where it's even more difficult and there could be more progression opportunity or easier career paths to choose that are outside of marketing that are maybe better at this for want of a better phrase. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that's a, something that hadn't particularly clicked with me, to be fair, where I'd noticed that marketing itself, rather than just societal issues, had made it more challenging for people to want to get into the industry because yeah. they don't see see the progression yeah and equally there are people people i'm well aware of and well connected to and i've had probably some of the best conversations about this with who are people of color but they're quite happy to just get their head down get on with the work and not be like seen or visible in the industry they're yeah. not they're not comfortable with maybe speaking at events sure. or they'll attend events or they're probably not comfortable with being on podcasts yeah. like i've been not back i've reached out to people i specifically look for or I prioritize people of color and women to try and get onto my podcast because yeah. uh, <laughs> there's no other way to say this and you're gonna hate me <laughs> there are loads of marketing podcasts where it's just white guy heavy um and if you look at the pinned tweet on my Twitter page, for example, the featured snippet on Google when you type in digital marketing podcast, it's just a carousel of white guys and Neil Patel. <laughs> Luckily, I've managed to crack it. So now there's two bold brown guys on there. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> but the, the point I'm making is humor aside, yeah. is that there are that section, there is that section of the industry that doesn't want to be seen or doesn't want to lift their head above that proverbial yeah. parapet. And that's fine. But for me, like I said, I wouldn't be comfortable if I didn't do anything, if I didn't try and help amplify those voices. Yeah. And like I said earlier, I made a joke, you know, the devil works hard, but Azim works hard. I've got to a point now where um, people approach me and ask me to speak at things and people ask me to share my own experiences or share the research that I've done. I wouldn't have done that if I never had the mindset of I've got myself to a certain position. I recognise that I'm a person of colour. Um, I want to help bring others through. I Like I said, the way things work, I'm not going to be around forever. Um, touch wood, I hope it doesn't, but I could leave here and like be smacked down by a bus and that's it. And in two months' time, people are going to be like, oh, that guy. But the point is, you you have to leave like some sort of legacy, for want of a better yeah. word. I want people to have the opportunities in this industry that I never had. Yeah. The whole point where I started my podcast in lockdown was everybody was starting a podcast, weren't they? But yeah. I missed the the in-person and the networking side of things. And I used to just say to people, let's jump on a Zoom or whatever. Let's just have a chat. And then I thought, well, why not just record it and put it out there? And part of that was to scratch a marketing gitch because I'd placed audio ads before in podcasts. But I never understood what podcasting looked like under the hood. Um, I don't have an amazing setup like this, by the way, um, but I never understood how it worked. And for me, I've always been keen on doing that. But the whole point about it was 
I don't just want this to be another podcast. I've had people fill in feedback from on the website saying, oh, it's another podcast, blah, blah. There's hundreds of marketing podcasts yeah. out there. Why should I listen to you? Blah, blah. But I've made a point of trying to seek out people who are predominantly uh, people of colour or women or even part of the LGBTQ plus community because, yeah. again, that was a podcast at the time, an episode where I was hugely uncomfortable because I don't know enough about that topic to sit there or to be on video and talking about it. But I literally fronted up and said, if I don't get uncomfortable trying to learn something like that, then yeah. I'm never going to learn. And I said during the episode, I might make a mistake mm. or I might um, misgender someone or get someone's pronouns wrong. But equally in the same way, I don't care for my own podcast. This is, I don't care if somebody has... Let's say Twitter, for example. I don't care if somebody has 10 followers yeah. or 10,000 followers. Some of the best listened or well-received episodes that I've done are where somebody who probably hasn't tweeted in months <laughs> who's got like 30 or 40 followers. Um, there's a specific episode that I did um, with an individual and I haven't got her permission to talk about her specifically, so I'm just going to be vague and yeah. say... We did a really good episode. I didn't know anything about it, but I opened up my pitch form and I said, predominantly, I want to hear from women, people of colour. She reached out. I didn't know anything about it. Did a bit of research. Great website, great company. It's probably one of the best episodes that I've done. And privately, off the recording, she didn't know this at the time, but I was having a bit of a flap, which I presume everybody has when they do this and thinking, oh, I should just chuck it all in. Yeah. The listener numbers are quite static. I'm getting X amount every week. I'm not seeing the growth. I'm dedicating all this time outside of work. So I do it completely outside of work. Yeah. And I'm just not seeing the growth. I'm getting a bit frustrated. We had a chat off the recording and she was like, I mean, you've never spoken verbally before today. I've listened to virtually all of your podcasts and she reeled off ones that she'd listened wow. to, specific things out of those episodes. Yeah. And she was super complimentary. She said... I need you and I need more people like you to help give people like me a voice yeah. because I've been desperate to get out there. I've been desperate to try and tell people about me that I'm, you know, I've got my own business. I'm a black female, for example. I want people to learn about me, but I just haven't had that opportunity. And hearing that just reinforced the whole reason why I started the podcast and then gave me a bit more motivation to to move forward and like I said I think that's important I'm conscious not to be speaking about myself uh, loads or, but I'm keen that people watching or listening to this Definitely. have that framing of my own sort of personal experience on yeah. it so be uncomfortable if you take anything <laughs> or nothing away from this episode get comfortable with being uncomfortable because that's where growth happens and people yeah. will make mistakes yeah. all the time um this wouldn't have happened, for example. You filled out a pitch form. Yeah. You're a white presenting male, for example. I could have quite easily gone, Pfft. But what you said and what you put on the form and the episode that you did with me was brilliant. I thought this was fantastic. Again, another reason why I did it and I started yeah. it. And I wouldn't be here now if we didn't do that. No. And I hadn't gone through that. Um, so... <clears throat> no. Be uncomfortable, basically. <laughs> no, I like that's a... That's a really good takeaway and probably a couple of probably difficult questions to finish on when, when we talk about the sort of career progression getting into the industry getting high in in the industry being a blocker to to us all doing better on this topic 
the, the question I oh, come back to, it's kind of similar to the one asked from the start, is why? Why is it difficult? And maybe it's naivety, massive naivety on my behalf to think, does anyone know? People aren't hopefully going deliberately in with the intent of making it mm. difficult. Maybe you're going to tell me I'm wrong there. Um, but why Why is it the case? And like, again, probably more of a societal question mm. again, but I just struggle with being someone in a seat that does these sorts of things to see how how are we doing things to block people or not recognize people and promote the white guy when the other guy gets told there's no job available like yeah where how does this where does this stem from because i i'm I'm so naive to it I, i think it's not easy and it's very easy to get wrong like just today i don't know if you've seen this in in the news or not uh but there was somebody quite senior in the RAF who left their job female she left her job because she cited that the diversity targets that were set to her and the team were impossible to hit. And I read that this morning and I thought, that's odd. So someone senior who's female, which you don't get a lot of anyway, yeah. has left her job because she's been given a target to hit. Personal opinion is having a target to hit, for example, is probably not the right way to look at it if if somebody says to you the article wasn't explicit in the sense of she was told to hire five black guys five Asian yeah. guys or whatever but the article itself basically said that she left because the conditions imposed upon her were too difficult that's yeah. entirely the wrong way to go about it and that's the RAF yeah. it's not a small marketing agency of 10 people down the <laughs> yeah, road it's yeah. quite a big organisation if they can get it so horribly wrong it makes the marketing industry or marketing companies think, well, that's too big a risk if it impacts our bottom line stuff. It research has indicated in previous talks I've said by hiring more diverse people into the boardroom, not just diverse in terms of ethnicity, but age, gender, geographical diversity, yeah, for example. Yeah. It's something like you can make a better business decision eighty seven percent of the time, which back then would add another twenty four billion pound to the UK economy and God knows we, we bloody need it now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> but so having those targets are inherently difficult because already you've got a hurdle to overcome. If you decided tomorrow that you needed to get three black women into the boardroom and two Asian men, you've already narrowed down the pool of talent that you've yeah. got. I think the best way that, that companies in general should approach this, not just in marketing, but marketing specifically, companies should look at implementing something like the Rooney Rule, where you make sure that you are interviewing candidates from minority ethnic backgrounds, at least one. Um, Take off names from CVs, because there is unconscious bias in terms of that. that. Um, And to prove it, a personal example I can give you. So I I wanted uh, to buy a new car, couple of months ago um and i phoned up because i knew there was a specific car in stock we'll call you back and i gave my actual name and i had a friend phone up who's a white guy generic white guy name i'm not going to say it because you might watch this (laughs) he phoned up about the same car gets a call back straight away i didn't buying a house for example i've filled in a form uh, to email an estate agent to have them call me nothing i filled in the same form 
as my friend with his email address. He's had an email back within minutes saying, oh, when can we get you in for a viewing? There's unconscious bias everywhere. Yeah. And people may not have known about it until maybe I've just given those examples now. Yeah. So the point I'm trying to make is having a target or a, a quota to hit, it's probably the wrong thing to do. But actively changing hiring processes to look at including at least one person yeah. from a minority background is crucial to the industry to progress and like i said at the very start of this episode i'm not expecting in six months time there's a sudden wave yeah. of people of color in boardrooms everywhere i have to realize that this is going to take a lot of time and equally um i might be jumping ahead here but apologies but one of the things that i think the industry should do every company should release their uh, diversity and inclusion statistics and staffing makeup yeah. some companies do it and say we've got x amount of employees of which x percent are people of color i think that's good in some cases nonsense because yeah. it's just <laughs> in some cases i think it's virtue signaling but it's probably a personal opinion it's just yeah. a tick box exercise but what i think companies should do i think snap have been really good at this um and complete chance uh i was looking for something on adobe analytics before and i just happened upon their diversity inclusion section on the website and it's huge absolutely huge i'm sure it's like 16 17 18 pages wow. i got lost in what i was doing because i was <laughs> so interested they literally tell you the diverse makeup of everyone from i'm exaggerating but everyone from the bloody cleaner yeah. right to the most senior person globally yeah. where they are release that every year every single year without fail treat it like your financials because yeah. you have to do them release that information every year if it's increased in year two great do more of what you've done yeah if it's decreased start to have a look at why that's decreased and what you can do as a company to influence yeah. that change again from a personal experience and i'm sure people watching and listening have have been in a similar situation i've applied for a, a senior role in the past um gone away i've done what everybody's doing uh in terms of researching and everything else i've gone in sat down one of the first questions was and it was like a equivalent to like a boardroom level role i've gone in and the first, one of the first questions I've been asked is, well, what do you notice about us? What do you know about the board? And I was quite bold in the sense of, uh, not in a rude way, but I said words to the effect of what I notice about the board is that um, you're all white people. You're all of a specific age group mm -hmm. and you're largely male. And the people who are your or our audience are not all old, white yeah. and male. You've got people from all over the globe who you need to speak to as your audience. But if I was, I'm part of it. If I'm part of it looking in, I don't see myself represented. Have I applied for that role to represent people of colour? Partly, yes. But it's to try and impact a certain senior level of change. Yeah. They, the response there was immediately on the back foot. They were like, well, maybe yeah. you didn't know, but we had Jane... Jane left us, and if you didn't know, Jane was black, and she yeah. was a woman, so that's where the diversity came from. Mm. Having one person of colour doesn't make things <laughs> no. diverse. Like I said at the start, that one guy must have been busy. Yeah. So I think making those small incremental 
changes will have a big impact in the future. If you went to any of your clients, for example, yeah. and presented to them a scenario where you could make an incremental change and deliver X amount more revenue, they would bite your hands off. I'm sure they would. And if you can do that with diversity and inclusion, like I said, there's 24 billion pound yeah, yeah. somewhere on the table to be had. Yeah. And some people disagreed with me on that in the past. Like I shouldn't be talking about diversity, inclusion and financials at the same time. But I, th I personally think it's important. Again, yeah. people of colour have disagreed with me for saying that. I think it's important because of all the ways that I've tried to influence change, the the biggest reaction that I've had from people who've actually like sat up and thought, okay, now I can make more money yeah. is by, by saying that. So I think it's hugely important. The very last thing I'll say, because I'm definitely fed up with my own voice now, <laughs> is every single year we talk about the gender pay gap and there's some point in the year where it's usually around November time, it trends number yeah. one socially. This is the day that women effectively work for free because they're paid X percentage less. Yeah. So we know and recognise that there's a gender pay gap and companies are looking to try and reduce that. Yeah. But there's also a race pay gap and I've mentioned so many times in the past, women are paid less than men black or asian people are paid less than their white counterparts nobody ever puts the two together no. and thinks well what if you're a black woman yeah. or if you're an asian woman not only are you negatively impacted because of your gender but you're also negatively impacted because of your cultural and ethnic background when companies start looking at those two things together yeah. again i think we can make huge amounts of change and one of the things that i've said to people certainly when people have come to me so junior people have come to me in the industry before who've been applying for jobs and they've wanted a job that maybe i've had in the past or at the same level now like how do you talk about salaries for example i've given them tips yeah and i've said well ask ask for like an x amount or x range they're like i can't do that that's huge <laughs> and i've said well you have to consider the fact that what i've just mentioned yeah. that there will be people there who probably won't deliver the same results that I know you can yeah. and who are going to be paid more than you. And it's a bit of a, it's a tough way to look at it, but ultimately you can't pay your bills with a pat on the back or yeah. a well done. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we haven't really touched a lot on social and cultural things, but the, with the cost of living now, for yeah. example, I imagine it's going to be even difficult, for, <sighs> even more difficult for, for people of colour um, and people from marginalised groups to pay their bills so ultimately if not now then when yeah so i'm hopeful that that things will change in the future for sure definitely and i think a good takeaway there that hopefully all people in marketing will appreciate is if you don't track and measure something it doesn't change so when you're talking about financials equally they'll do it with their website traffic and leads mm. or whatever it is um but if you actually track and measure the statistics you talked about it actually firstly gives you self-awareness of what they are because probably most people don't even yeah know what the, those things are but then actually if you track the rate of change it, it's like anything once you're aware the direction you're heading you either fix it or yeah. you double down on the things that are going right and i think marketers are generally good at that in a lot of yeah. things and if you can apply yeah. that logic to to this scenario i think that's a really good takeaway yeah if that's too hard for companies to do probably one of the boldest things that i'll say and leave you with is that there are probably there will almost definitely 
be people in senior leadership positions who are watching or listening yeah. to this. If releasing that information is too difficult for them, I'm looking at you, I should be looking at the camera. Yeah, yeah. If releasing that information is too difficult for you, tie your yearly bonus to your diversity and inclusion initiatives. Don't put a binary amount on it and say, if we don't grow 10% in terms of diversity, I won't pay myself a bonus. But if you don't grow in any sense of diversity and inclusion, you shouldn't pay yourself a bonus. That is a hill I will die on. Because how can, generally, it will be a white person yeah. and male, how can those individuals, in good faith, pay themselves a bonus knowing they've done nothing to impact diversity and inclusion. So if it's too hard to release your yearly diversity data, keep it internal, but tie and be open about it. Yeah. Tie your yearly bonus to that. Don't pay yourself that bonus unless you've impacted significantly yeah. uh, your diversity and inclusion initiatives. What I don't mean is go and hire an Asian cleaner or like a black junior, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. seriously impact your bottom line and help them grow definitely so yeah great i've loved this obviously a topic we could keep talking about <laughs> forever yeah. um and i love the passion you brought but more than that i think three or four really strong action points of things people can actually do and we'll we'll link to all of the things that you mentioned yeah. obviously um, Thank you. when we're releasing this but again thanks for coming in really enjoyed this you've got my head <laughs> thinking as well which is which is the point and hopefully other people have as well good yeah thanks so much for having me and uh, apologies again that i couldn't be there in person um but hopefully we'll, we'll change that soon <laughs> yeah. Crossed. yeah thank fantastic you. cheers everybody Bye. thank you